Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Live in Calvary Chapel, Puerto Vallarta, sitting in my office. <laughs> you can see our calendar behind me and all my books. Don't often get to do it here, but because we've got all the kids downstairs, I just got back with the van. We sent both vans out. Clay helped me drive. We just brought the kids back. They're getting ready to start. Going to see if we can just get some reading in before the music gets going, before it gets too loud here. I've got a fan on, kind of warm up here. We can't turn on the air conditioner because... <laughs> It's not reliable. We had a blackout when we had too many on the other day. So, just going to sweat it out a little bit. Nice to have you guys with us. We are going to jump into the Word today. I do have Charles Spurgeon, but because of the laptop and the mobile version in one sense of Matter for Breakfast, we're just going to jump into the Word. So, Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone that's staying up on the reading, even though we're going through a hectic week. But thank you, God, for their prayers, their absolute support of everything you're doing here in Puerto Vallarta. And may they be blessed greatly, Father, wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in Psalm 100. If you guys want to open up your Bibles, please. Psalm 99, 100, 102. It begins, The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned about the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. This, the strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. And Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God pretty powerful and it gives you this sense of the type of depth of relationship that these people had in the Old Testament and their understanding of God as being good and yet also holy and just and dealing with the deeds that were evil among men Psalm 100 a psalm for thanksgiving Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. To me, that speaks so much of his fatherhood, of family, that we are his people. We are part of his family. He's the one who cares for us. As a shepherd cares for his sheep, 
that are totally dependent upon him for protection, for food, and everything. This is the idea, and this is why we can praise and rejoice in him. Psalm 102, prayer for an afflicted man for mercy on himself and on Zion. A prayer of the afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before God or before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like the grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread because of the loudness of my groaning. My bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I will wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from his holy height, from the heaven, the Lord gazed upon the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner and to set free those who are doomed to death, that they may tell of the name of the Lord of Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. I say, O Lord my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. I love the fact that he includes that those not yet born will praise you. That the goodness of God will be something that will continue on through the generations. The psalmist knew this. He knew that God was everlasting and therefore his mercy and his goodness were everlasting and therefore those who were not born would be born and come into that mercy. What a beautiful thing. So let's continue on now and jump over into Acts 17. We're finishing Acts 17 now. We're Picking it up in verse 16, I believe. 
Paul at Athens. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. And he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idol babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or the hearing of something new. Verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found the, an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him to find him, though he is not far from each one of them. For in him we have life and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having finished proof to all men by raising him from the dead now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead some began to sneer and others said we shall hear you again concerning this so paul went out from their midst but some men joined him and believed among whom also were dionysus the areopagite and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. The preaching there, the sharing of the gospel with Athens, was very strange to the ears. It's helpful to know how the cultures thought back then, what these Greeks thought. Of course, we know about the their their idea of the demigods and the many gods that were in, i.e., they were up in the celestial realm, and they believed all the gods were over certain regions. And you had a god over maybe the, that created the earth. You have a god that created the waters. You had a god that created the heavens, a uh, god that created man. Certainly, the idea of life coming into existence, of course, with the Egyptians, it was all coming out of the Nile. And you had the different gods, which had these oftentimes incestuous relationships within their, with their sister or something else producing life. And then you had death, which was always... Um, uh, the god of the underworld you had so many different 
gods and belief systems of who controlled what and where. And Paul comes and says, now I want to proclaim to you the God over everything, over all the heavens, over all the earth, creation of life, over man, over all areas of the earth, over all peoples, appointing man the period of his life. God decides that creator God, not some other death God or anything else. So this was indeed very, very radical for them to hear this, thinking one God, one God, creator of all things, even man. And he proved himself through the incarnation of his nature, which was the second person of the Trinity, himself, Jesus, and who died and raised again from the dead. This would, I mean, think about this. Try and take yourself out of the what we know of Christianity and hearing this for the first time. They, they talked a lot about going to Sheol once you died. But anyway... This was a phenomenal revelation to these Athenians who were philosophers, the Stoics, you know, very much denying the flesh, trying to say we have to try and perfect ourselves by denying the flesh to somehow gain some type of spiritual plane, very Hindu in origin. The Epicureans, just the opposite. We need to indulge the flesh more and more because everything in the flesh is the flesh, but everything in the spirit is the spirit. The two are completely separate, so it doesn't matter what you do in the flesh. It's not going to affect your spirit life. Paul is saying, oh yeah, it all affects all of this. You don't need to be stoic. You don't need to deny the flesh, but you also don't want to indulge the flesh. You have to repent of the sins that you do to then come into forgiveness with God. You need to repent. God is proclaiming to all people. By the way, he said all people, not just the Jews, not just certain cultures, all men everywhere. Pretty, pretty phenomenal. All right, now we're going to go into Charles Spurgeon. July 27th for today. More than mere words, Acts 13, 34, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Nothing of man is sure, but everything of God is so. Especially are covenant mercies, sure mercies. Even as David said, an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure. We are sure that the Lord meant his mercy. He did not speak mere words. There is substance and truth in every one of his promises. His mercies are mercies indeed, even if a promise seems as if it must drop through by reason of death, yet it never shall. For the good Lord will make good his word. We are sure that the Lord will bestow promised mercies on all his covenanted ones. They shall come in due course to all the chosen of the Lord. They are sure to all the seed, from the least of them to the greatest of them. We are sure that the Lord will continue his mercies to his own people. He does not give and take. What he has granted to us is the token of much more. That which we have not yet received is as sure as that which has already come. Therefore, let us wait before the Lord and be still. There is no justifiable reason for the least doubt. God is love, God's love and word and faithfulness and sure. Many things are questionable, but of the Lord we sing, for his mercy shall endure ever faithful, ever sure. God, that is a beautiful promise. 
And we thank you for it. And we acknowledge, God, that is your love for each one of us. So, Father God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, thank you. We'll keep this up. Tomorrow's the last day, so keep praying for us because we're almost there across the finish line. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 